Hello, everybody, and welcome to Meet Me in the Middle, the podcast that likes to hash out middle ground within the often problematic, often, sometimes, what's a middle way of saying it? The, at times, the sometimes (laughs) problematic wellness world. I am Jenny Omani. I'm Annika Buckle. And I'm Lee Freiling. And if you enjoy our conversations, we would really enjoy it if you hopped over to whatever your streaming choice, podcast streaming preference platform is and hit us up with a five-star review and a little ditty about why you love us. We would appreciate that super, super much. Um, and I'm so excited that Lee didn't read the schedule and remember it in her head because it gives an element of surprise. Yep. Lee remembered nothing. In fact, even that we were recording today and rescheduled therapy appointment right before this recording. So we're going to see how good of shape I'm in today while we're learning about well, actually, that's the most on-brand reason to be late to record with us, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. Sorry, guys, I had therapy. So I actually would like to give you a little high five for that. Um, okay, we're going to talk about processed foods. Oh, good. Yes, um, good. I would love, first off, to hear, I'm going to put you on the spot. Annika, can you, what was your personal definition of processed food? I think like if you had have asked me, I would have been able to give you like a much more academic answer, like let's say four years ago. But I think generally my feeling was anything with a a bunch of ingredients that I can't pronounce anything that has, you know, really high daily percentages of things like sugar or sodium in particular, when they're added ingredients. Um, I think that kind of loosely was my like I'm a big label reader. I've always been a big label reader. And so that was kind of my North star for, is this something that my family should be eating or not? Mm-hmm. Okay. What about you, Lee? What is your personal definition of processed foods as you understand them? Yeah. So like the real, the real quick and dirty is like food that comes out of a box. Right. So like anything that sort of lives in the middle section of the supermarket, not anything that needs to be refrigerated. Um, uh, you know, that's kind of like the, the quick and the dirty, mm-hmm. um, answer of kind of what processed food is. Uh, yeah, that's what I think. Okay. I love that. When we decided our topics for this mini series and I snagged processed food as one of them. So initially I thought when I was looking into this topic that we talk about, um, cherry pick data regarding processed foods and how they're really not as bad as, you know, um, wellness influencers, influencers want you to think they are, et cetera. And that's not actually what we're going to talk about maybe a little bit at the end, but, um, what the most interesting thing, when you start looking into processed foods is that there's not really a cohesive definition on what processed foods are. So that's the first point. And the other thing is, is that if you want to look at studies to say whether processed foods, good or bad for you, nutritional studies, and we talked about this um, with the last episode with intermittent fasting, there's a lot of limitations within nutritional studies. They're based off of food journals, um, self-report, self-reported food intake by people. And as soon as somebody is watching what you're eating or, you know, you're paying enough attention to write it down, it shifts your eating patterns. And if you're going to look at something like a specific type of food, it's like, okay, so do people only eat that food and the other group doesn't eat it at all? Do the other group eat as they normally eat? And then you figure out how much of that's processed. Like it's, it's very hard to find good, solid 
data. So most of the data about stuff like Annika, you mentioned sugar intake and sodium and whatnot, that's retroactively taken. They look at people that have certain diseases. They kind of go back in time and sort of put pieces together. Um, Which is also not an awesome way to do really reliable science. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's also not uncommon, right? If you look at stuff right. like how do you test whether things are safe for pregnant people? Well, guess what? You don't test anything on pregnant people. Yeah. No. You, you have to find people that inadvertently or took certain things while they were pregnant and then you, you got to go backwards, right? So it's not ideal, but it's also there isn't really at this point that I'm aware of or that you know the academic world as I've looked into is aware of an awesome way to evaluate um, nutritional intake and really pin it down to something at a larger scale in terms of what it means for a larger population, right? You can do it more niched, but, and then apply it at a larger scale, but it's tricky. There's a lot of limitations. Okay. So, but what's interesting is this whole concept going back to the definition of, um, processed food. So I am going to, um, send two definitions from large sources. And I'm going to get you guys to read them. And these are both American sources. And I'll talk about the Canadian one after. So I'm going to pop this in the chat. And uh, I don't know, Lee, why don't you go ahead and read that? So this is from the Mayo Clinic. According to the Department of Agriculture, processed foods are any raw agricultural commodities that have been washed, cleaned, milled, chopped, cut, canned, pasteurized, blanched, cooked, canned, frozen, dried, dehydrated, mixed, or packaged, anything done to them that alters their natural state. Uh, This may include including preservatives, flavors, nutrients, and other food additives or substances approved uh, for use in food products, such as salt, sugars, and fats. Right. So if you look at that and the second uh, word, they actually said, and cleaned, (laughs) washed and cleaned. And now it's basically, if you've uh, done anything, you've done something to it. Yeah. (laughs) It's technically considered processed. We pulled these carrots <laughs> out of the ground. We didn't leave them with the dirt attached. Right. This is a processed food. I literally was just <laughs> going to talk about like, well, I guess if I want to not eat any processed food, I got to eat this hunk of dirt that's attached to my carrot with a little worm poking its face out of it. Or this apple that's got like some bird shit on it. Okay. All right. That I picked out of my tree. Sounds good. Okay. So like, that's yeah. like literally everything. Yeah, that's literally everything. Actually, that's actually all of the things. So I think we can appreciate how defining processed foods gets really tricky. Correct. Yes. There is another definition that is actually going to, I'm going to get you to read Annika. And this is, this is from um, the Harvard School of Public Health. And this is kind of what is, you'll see more generally used. It's, there's no one specific, like one way to define it, but this is kind of like what you'll see. And this becomes a bit more, um, applicable to useful. (laughs) Yeah. A bit more less like everything means nothing. (laughs) Okay. According to these standards, virtually all foods sold in the supermarket would be classified as processed to some degree because food begins to deteriorate and lose nutrients. As soon as it is harvested, even the apples in the produce aisle undergo four or more processing steps before being sold to the consumer. That's why in practice, it's helpful to differentiate between the various degrees of food processing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah. also important to point out that they, I didn't put it in this quote, but this doesn't distinguish between organic and not because 
the, the processing that is happening could literally be washing, cleaning, like uh, apples often have like a wax coating. A put wax. On them. Yep. There's nothing to say a that sticker. this is. You had a sticker with a PCU, right? Totally, right? That problem, I guess so, it's altered. So it's it's not, this is like, this applies to organic and like non-organically raised, brought up, nurtured uh, (laughs) fruits and vegetables. Right. So when we look at this, so this is a bit more, uh, so if we break it down a bit more, then I think it's easier to see how, why we're going to focus on one type of the definition of processed foods. And really we should just be, in my opinion, probably looking at, this is, I think what people mean by processed foods. Mm -hmm. So there's actually no, um, universally accepted, uh, system for breaking down or defining processed foods. There is, however, um, a food classification system called Nova. That is not an acronym. That's like the name of this food classification system, which is utterly confusing because it's all capitals N O V A, which really lends to, I stand for something else, but (laughs) it doesn't. And I will not tell you how much time I spent really making sure it didn't stand for something. It's just really proud of its names. And so it's all caps, all caps. (laughs) It's all capitals. Absolutely. So Nova, the Nova system it's recognized by the WHO food and agricultural organization. Um, and generally through most of like the American standards. So what Nova does, and we'll talk about Canada after is it has four classifications for processed foods. So unprocessed or minimally processed foods or for foods in general. So they can either be unprocessed or minimally processed. This is like your fruits, vegetables, grains, legumes, eggs, milk, um, the make real, these are like the whole foods for your diet. Okay. So most people would consider these not processed, even though the apple could be processed four times and milk is totally processed. Like if it's pasteurized, yep. It's pasteurized. It's been homogenized. You've got different fat percentages, but for the people that are now into raw milk, which is just, that's its own topic. I still don't fully understand why you would really (laughs) want to do that. Well, you, um, cause they're reading the Weston A price nourishing traditions. I could tell you all about that in another okay. time. Okay. Well, yeah. I prefer to drink milk that's safe for consumption. <laughs> um, <laughs> although maybe you'll enlighten me and maybe I'll want to go get some like off market, illegally sourced raw milk. But anyways, <laughs> so raw milk would still fall under this category. Right. Then there's processed culinary ingredients. So these are food ingredients derived from minimally processed foods by pressing and refining, grinding or milling. So they're not usually eaten on their own, but they're prepared, but um, used to prepare minimally processed foods. So these are like oils um, from plants, seeds, nuts, flour, stuff like Spices. that. Spices. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, And then there's processed foods, which the word itself lends to like, oh, this is what processed foods are, but I still don't think we're there yet. Um, (laughs) So processed foods are ingredients such as oil, sugar, and salt are added to foods when, and then they're packaged. Mm. So, right. So then you throw a package in there. Now it's called a processed food. So this is like bread, cheese, tofu, um, even canned beans, canned fruit, Mm -hmm. vegetables. Um, And then it says, see, not everything in a package is bad for you, (laughs) but then I, we get to ultra processed foods. And I Mm. think the, I, I would guess that most people, particularly in the wellness space are 
using the definition of ultra processed foods and then they're calling it a processed food, which is okay. fair because I would have as well, like right. mm-hmm. five days ago. Right. Um, <laughs> so this ago. is where by definition, based on Nova, Nova, yep. Nova. <laughs> 50% of our calories. Um, okay. So this is a category where almost 50% of our calories come from and where we should cut back. This is the opinion of the Harvard, Harvard public school, of health. um, school of public health. These foods go through multiple processes, extrusion, molding, milling, etc. They contain many added ingredients and are highly manipulated. So the examples of these are soft drinks, chips, chocolate, candy, ice cream, sweetened mm-hmm. breakfast cereals, packaged soups, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Twinkies. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, what I considered processed foods before really looking into this is what the general food world would consider as ultra processed foods. Okay. Great. So here's where Canada comes in. And I find this interesting. Canada doesn't define, break down all the different, um, uh, the four different Nova categories. Um, they don't use Nova, um, but the Canada food guide, which, uh, for Americans is like our, uh, government food. issued food pyramid food. Isn't it something else now? I don't know. I actually right. should have looked, they keep changing it around, which is good. They do change things- it a lot. Things should change as we get more information. So this is not a bad thing. Um, But the Canada Food Guide doesn't actually call out specific types of processed foods. It just talks about highly processed foods, Um, which I think in a way is good because it um, keeps it really simple for people that are looking for information on this. Um, But it also removes a lot of context and nuance. I love context and nuance. So you could go either way with this, but they only talk about ultra processed foods in turn in the Canada food guide. Now, where I find this really interesting is when we look at the demonization of processed foods or highly processed foods. Yeah. Um, And we talk about this a lot. It, uh, demonizing the way people eat when that way is affordable Mm-hmm. is really taking a variable that people can't control and making it sound like it's a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, and even cost is obviously a huge part of that, but also it is convenience and time, time. and all those things, right? And yep. skill and skill. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Let's just say that my wonderful husband skipped the dishes. That's a verb. The D skip the dishes. <laughs> um, McDonald's the other day when I was at work, because that was his skill level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, this is, I think the piece that I find really interesting is, you know, it, there is, there tends to be this very classist approach to mm-hmm. the demonization of like, quote unquote, poor people foods, like mm-hmm. McDonald's, like, mm-hmm cheap breakfast cereals like Cheerios, right? Mm -hmm. Like the things that are really affordable for a lot of families. Mm -hmm. And I also think that this piece um, is missing in in the greater conversation. And actually, I just went on to look at Canada's Food Guide as you were talking about it, Jenny, and I find this really interesting. I feel like the the clickbait title for this episode could be like, what what Canada's food guide isn't telling you, but what I love is what Canada's <laughs> food guide is telling you mm-hmm. is enjoy your food 
and mm-hmm. with others. This okay. This was something I was going to bring up. You are a segue queen. Both <laughs> major U.S. I looked at several different things, like Mayo, Harvard, like all of the academic institutions. Um, they just put out more tangible, readable stuff, folks, than a lot of the U.S. government sites. And the U.S. government sites are like the Canadian government sites. They they suck. Like they're yeah, not pretty. Not sh- like there's I am not zero sure who marketing. These things. Yeah, zero marketing bad. has. They're not ever trying been. to make it pretty or readable. No. Your tax paying dollars, regardless <laughs> yes. of where you live in North America, are not making better government websites. No. But what they all say, and I think I even pulled a clip of it here: dine with friends and family. Now they they make it a little bit different. They say real. This is Harvard. Real talk. Real food. Real talk. Good company. Um, studies show that people who dine together have better eating habits, such as enjoying more vegetables, fewer soft drinks, less deep fried food. So they aren't, um, acknowledging the cost and a lot of those factors, but I love how they did mention something which is legitimately free. And that is eating with other people. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, it, and I it do starts like to acknowledge it's more like it's more than just food. It's more than just the nutrients in something mm-hmm. for your body. When we look at how our bodies are going to use them. We know, again, we talked about this before. Our bodies are not calorimeters, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Speak our enjoyment of, <laughs> our enjoyment of things is, you know, it doesn't have to be an inverse relationship to it being healthy for us. Totally. Right? And I think this also begs the elephant in the room, which is that many wellness influencers and companies sell highly processed foods. Mm-hmm. Right. This is mm-hmm. the piece I didn't even give a thought to until we started having this conversation. And I think Jenny, it was you who was like, why is a keto bar? Okay. Mm-hmm. Why are processed greens? Okay. But mm-hmm. McDonald's isn't, or, and I think the, probably the answer in response is something along the lines of like Nick McDonald's doesn't have any nutrients. These are highly mm-hmm. nutrient dense things, but again, who can afford to feed their kids, uh, hot chicken from the deli, mm-hmm. save your, of my family's food, rotisserie chicken or yep. slimy chicken as my kids call it. Cause oh, they love it, but good, it's think, think about it. Think about it. You can't, I don't, I don't want to think about it. I, we nope. eat it too often for me to have an image like that in my head. They love but, slimy chicken, <laughs> but I mean, it's something like that versus, you know, uh, a processed green powder. That's like mm-hmm. $3 a serving mm-hmm. versus $10 for a whole chicken. That's going to feed my family and give us three lunches. Those are two very, very differently accessible things. Yeah. Like I remember recently there's a influencer that I follow and I quite actually generally quite enjoy her content. Um, although I am on an Instagram hiatus and I just have to say, I'm happy about it. Um, so I don't know what she's doing today, but she was promoting a super protein, super high protein, instant oatmeal. (laughs) And I was like, Oh, I really like oatmeal. I'm trying to eat a little bit more protein, if anything, just because uh, I like protein. I like oatmeal. Do you yeah. have a code? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I like protein. I like oatmeal. Do you have a code? And so I clicked on the link and I mean, I don't totally remember, but I remember being absolutely flabbergasted at the price per serving mm-hmm. of this instant oatmeal that this influencer was, was sharing. I think it was something like I mean, and I'm making it up because I don't totally remember, but my impression of how expensive it was, was something along the lines of like $35 for like 
four servings. Oh my god! Oh my god! And oats are like, like the cheapest thing you can just gonna yourself. say. Right. That's and like so one of I'm the things like, they give as examples. They're like, rather than sugary cereal, from a cost perspective, get some oatmeal. A hundred percent. Right. Like I'm not that oatmeal. oatmeal. I've made oatmeal a million times in my life for myself and for my kids. And like, you know, if my husband's out of town and I don't really feel like cooking, we'll do like an oatmeal bar for dinner just because Mm -hmm. it's fun and they like it and it's delicious. And they're going to go to bed with a warm, full tummy and great. But, you know, I think this is where I really think the conversation around wellness and food, like, I think it works really hard to, to sort of skirt the issue of cost. Mm-hmm. and skirt the issue of accessibility. And I think what you said before, Annika is really bang on is that it is this demonization of, you know, not only poor people food, but in this sense, almost just like poor people, like, oh, well, if you can't afford mm-hmm. my, uh, I don't know what that breaks down to, but basically like $9 a serving, you know, high protein oatmeal, well, then you need to go work more. You need to go well, work or harder. you just don't have your priorities straight. Right. Are you right. buying Starbucks? Are you right? It's like, no, literally that's not the level at which the majority of people, especially in this economy in 2022 are living in. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I think, I mean, I have many complicated thoughts about processed food in general and sort of like how easy it is to kind of be like, oh, but it's like sold in a natural food store. And so it's gotta be good for me. And I can look at it and it has like 50 ingredients for like a bar for example. And right? sugar is the first one. Yeah. And said but it's bar. whole grain or it's whole like, like coconut sugar. Cane, sugar. It's like brown, brown yeah. rice right. syrup. Right. Some yeah. Shit like that. Right. Organic brown rice syrup. Yeah. So uh, it's, and you know, it's, it's a funny thing. I went grocery shopping yesterday and I went grocery shopping in a store. I don't usually shop at, and it was way more expensive than what I normally am paying for groceries just because I had a very limited amount of time. I was in a different part of town. I needed food at the end. And I just really started thinking about how much money I have blown over the last 15 years, especially since my kids were born mm-hmm. on shopping for food, almost always processed and packaged in natural health food stores that I didn't need to be spending. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like I could, well, I could, there was times where I couldn't even really afford it, but I justified it because it was for my kids and it's organic and it's better and blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. Was it better? Like, did I really need to be spending $2 on a like made by fairies organic snack bar for my like three-year-old or like, would he probably have been fine with just like a normal granola bar in his daycare lunch? You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I got really a little bit like quite frustrated actually last night when I was doing this already expensive shop, just because I was in a different part of town, different store. And I was just thinking like, man, like (laughs) I could probably have like no mortgage (laughs) if (laughs) I put that money against, against, you know, this, what I'm paying for right now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and then there is that demonization aspect of it, which I think is really the most problematic aspect and has people feeling really less than, and I got to say, I have a lot of it still ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, uh, my son brought up a, a little buddy over little buddy. They're full blown teenagers. <laughs> say, but... He's like three times the height of you. I was okay. just going to say <laughs> they're definitely For someone much who's five foot one. I don't know if you can use that term to describe teenage boys, but hey, okay. I'm five, four. Okay. Anyways. Uh, but you know, little buddy, cause he's my kid and this is his, his friend. And I asked him, I said, Hey, do you want a snack? Right. They came home from school. 
hey, do you want a snack? He's like, uh, it's a very like shy kid. I was like, what have you eaten today? And he basically told me he had eaten a pop tart. He had had some ramen for lunch and he had had some other like all carb, something out of a package food today. And I totally had the like, oh my God, this kid needs like some protein and an apple in my brain. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm going to go pick fresh vegetables for you. Yeah. Hold please. Wait I'm going to get some, I'm, I'm going to make some... you a kale salad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. With some free range chicken on top of it. No, I did not do that. But I was a little bit like this kid's had no protein today. You know, I was like, Ryder, can you please make him like a grilled cheese minimally? Yeah. Like something that's got a little bit of something in it. Cause you know, you guys are going to go do some work, but that ingrained snobbery mm-hmm. and I know better was totally in there. And that's complete horseshit. For all I know, this kid has got like textural issues with his food. I don't know. I don't know this kid. For all I know, he's like allergic to, like, I actually know people who are allergic to a whole bunch of like fruits and vegetables. Like they eat them mm. and they have like really wicked reactions. Yeah. For all I know, like maybe this is just actually all he wanted. And it was, that's what that's, he's 15 and his, his mom's got three other kids and he feeds himself and the end, you know, like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's also none of my business. It's none of my goddamn business. He and gets you know to choose, they get to choose. Do you know what's so interesting too about almost all privileged person fads, wellness fads, whatever you want to call them, fads, is that they usually come full circle. So like, let's think back to the microwave dinner era mm-hmm. where like, that's what you were, if you were, if you had money, if you had, mm-hmm. you were, this is what you were doing. Yeah. You homemade stuff eight. wasn't good anymore. Now it was right? all about the bot stuff. Yes. So, totally. and it goes all through and then it, it it's like, as soon as it becomes accessible, then it has to shift to something else to make it better. Like there's like, yep. there's an always elitism with food. Yep. Like always, but it often literally makes a full circle of like, what is elite? Then it becomes then marketing, right? Okay. How mm-hmm. can we make, bring this, make this more accessible to people? Okay. 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 Right. And then it like comes full circle and then it's like, oh no, this is accessible for everybody. So on to the next. And it's so interesting if you think over time, cause all of these things are fads, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think seed oils are going to be demonized forever? No, they'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. Right. Like it, it's, it's always cyclical. Yeah. But it's so interesting when you look at like, um, like demonization. Now it's good. Look at the eighties, man. Eggs. Remember eggs were so bad for you. Eighties yep. and nineties, wasn't it? Where it was all, it's, oh, it's high fat. You're going to die. Skim, we had skim milk in my house. Fat we had free. Sell in my house. And my mm-hmm. mom was super health conscious because those were the right things to yeah. do at the time. Right. Yeah. Let's do low fat, yeah. low fat. Yeah. And then you look at the nutritional label and you're like, wow, there isn't a lot of fat, but geez Louise, are there 14 grams of sugar in this yogurt to make oh, up yeah. for the lack of fat of flavor? <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. I had a full circle moment yesterday, actually, now that we're talking oh, about yeah? full circle moments. So I remember in the eighties going and having a sleepover at my, uh, aunt's house and, uh, getting served egos oh, the yeah. next day. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is the coolest thing on the planet. This is the same as the commercial on TV. We never have these in my house. Oh my God. Eggos. So great. Right. And I remember eating them and being like, these are delicious. These are super tasty, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now, you know, fast forward, Eggos are like, like you get a little bit of like a, one of these looks, right. Which if you can't see me, cause this is a podcast, it's like a little bit of judgment and dismay. Oh, Eggos. Really? Do you want to know what I bought yesterday in my expensive grocery shop? Cause I saw them and they looked good. And I remembered liking them. 
a box of Eggos. And when I brought them home and my kids unpacked my groceries, because that's what we do around here. My kids unpack the groceries. My daughter was like, oh, Eggos. And I was like, those aren't for you. Those are for me. <laughs> that's my treat food. That's that's for me. I'm going to have Eggos every once in a while and be real happy about it. And the end. Sorry, sweetie. This will be a treat for you when you grow up and you can buy it for yourself because I'm not right. letting you have them now. <laughs> right. When you're a grown up, you can spend your own money on Eggos. And for right now, the other treats for you are in there, but those are my treats. Thank you very much. The end. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to have like two Eggos. There's 16 in a box. By the time I'm finished the box, I'll probably be like, that's great. I don't need to buy those ever again or for a while. I'm going to have like Eggos for breakfast alongside my like fruit and cottage cheese, which is what I eat every single day. I just want to have like a little something different. And like, that's totally fine. The end. I saw a really great, great tweet the other day that was like me as a kid. Oh, I wish I could eat however many pickles I want. Me as a grown up eating pickles for dinner. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Totally. Exactly. I saw another one that was like, one day I was driving past a Baskin Robbins and looking at the Baskin Robbins thinking to myself, when I was a kid, I just thought I was going to go and buy myself ice cream cakes whenever I wanted. And I stopped the car, turned around, went back to the Baskin Robbins and got myself an ice cream cake because I'm an adult. <laughs> Right. Like, I think, I think the greater conversation around food, I think a lot of it came from, you know, I am someone who is a very benefit of the doubt oriented human. I think a lot of this is best intentions, right? Yes. You know, I have worked in, I worked in schools for a really long time and I would see what kids were bringing to school. And then I would see what their behavior was like. And I would see what they were able to accomplish in the classroom. And I would, you know, draw a direct line correlation, you know, which is probably ridiculous because Nobody is a direct line correlation unless you like, you know, are actually allergic to something. But, you know, then you start reading about like, you know, kids who bring like chips and pop to school lunch, you know, have like a big sugar spike and then they're really, you know, lethargic in the afternoon and they just aren't learning. Okay. So then we're going to start promoting, you know, healthier alternatives, right? Having something being termed healthy became synonymous with it being good. And we've talked about goodness mm -hmm. on this podcast before, right? We all want to be good. It's a very so, loaded word, very loaded word. And, you know, we're trying to be good parents. Okay. So now what do good parents do? We don't give them what our kids want, which is like Coke and chocolate cake and chips for lunch. We give them like sprouted wheat sandwich with God knows what other thing on it. And like an organic apple and like a homemade cookie, maybe, and a big thing of water. Okay, fine. Great. And if that works for your child, awesome. I know lots of kids, I watched them do it at school, would take this healthy option and pitch it in the garbage and go and get $2 from their friends and go buy a whole thing of fries. <laughs> you know, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, it's like, get, it's that phrase, like great becomes the enemy of good. Yes. Right? Yes. So yes. instead of eating something moderately healthy, your kid ends up, you know, pendulum swinging. Well, and this is, I mean, we want to talk about processed foods and especially around pendulum swinging. I mean, there's a, I mean, Halloween is literally around the corner. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the people I was following on Instagram, which I'm not following right now because I'm on an Instagram break, but you know, they're talking about like, if you want your kid to have a healthy relationship with sugar, don't do the switch, which don't limit how much they can eat. Don't whatever. Like we have to build some sort of sense in them of like, I've had enough. And again, like the switch, which, and I only give my kid five pieces of candy the night of Halloween. And then I take the rest away from them was completely synonymous with good parenting. Like even in my parenting lifetime with little people. Now I get that. Like, again, for some people, you know, if you've got a kid who's maybe ADHD, 
and they eat these food dyes and it just makes them, you know, their behavior goes off the wall. Fine. If there's like specific situations, then of course, but what are we saying to these people? Right. What are we saying when we, when we're, when we're taking things away from them, or I know better, you can't be trusted. Your body can't be trusted. Your signals inside your body are wrong. And exactly. Yeah. That thing that you think is delicious is actually pure poison Mm -hmm. and you can't have it. You know, it's funny. I was having this chat with a mom whose daughter's on the same cheer team as my oldest and they're on a competitive team and they have long practices, right? Like it's, Mm -hmm. they do need to eat well to make it through a three hour practice. When you're nine years old, you need to, and you go from school to where you've been, your brain's been going all day. And then you go to an activity where your brain and your body's going to go for three hours straight. You do need to fuel properly. And -hmm. it's honestly been such a great conversation in terms of like, how do you, what, what do you eat to feel best for cheer? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and the answer, like a lot of the time Isla wants, like if they do these long practices where they have a snack, she wants me to make her like pasta or mac and cheese to have halfway through. Mm-hmm. She wants like a freaking thermos of like dinner. <laughs> and you know what that works for her. Some kids that might be too filling and it, you know what I mean? They yeah, just too heavy everywhere, which is yep. obviously not ideal, but for her, she, we used to send it depends what we're doing. Right. But we used to send things like those applesauce pouches because they're great. Cause you can slurp them down quickly, but they didn't fill her up. No, so she mm-hmm. could eat it quickly, but, yeah. and so it, and, and then, you know, when she said, Oh, we don't get enough time to have a big snack. I was like, I'll make sure you have enough time. I will tell your coach that you need to be given enough time to eat a proper snack. Like mm-hmm. I will, if you're, I will listen to you and take that mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. So she's, in a really cool, not planned way, really found her ideal snack for when she's doing that long, rigorous activity. But also I'm, I've been able to sort of communicate that like two minutes in between. No, like these are, these are like little kids. Like they need to actually eat. I'm sure that older kids need to eat too, but I can stand up for my nine-year-old. Yeah. Little kids do need to eat more often. (laughs) Little kids. Yeah. I think so too. But it's, it's like, a, it's a great way to sort of just be like, Hey, to have that conversation. Hey, what do you feel best eating when you're doing mm-hmm. those long practices? And she's like, I want Mac and cheese. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, that totally works. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think it's hard enough, which is a processed food by the way, because I'm not making it, yeah. I am not making it by hand. Annie's no. put it in a box for me and I <laughs> it boiled it. Yeah, thank you, Annie's. Thank and you. I bought it at Costco. And yeah. then boy, I did and because <laughs> yeah. it's 80% organic. It's fine. It's better. You're good still. <laughs> yeah. So much better yeah. than craft, which is probably has right. the exact same nutritional profile. If I were to guess. Well, and this is something else I found, I find really interesting that I see in the Canada food guide. That is a conversation that I think we can have on both sides of this conversation, which is quote, I'm just going to pull it up marketing can influence your food choices. Mm -hmm. And I think that kind of to like the pendulum swing conversation that in the eighties might've been, you know, Saturday morning TV with the egg waffle. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, in the 2020s is the Instagram influencer in the Mm -hmm. wellness world. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think recognizing both of those things as marketing and recognizing how that, that impacts the way that we think about food and the way Mm -hmm. that that shapes our and our children's perceptions of food is really important Mm because nothing's neutral. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think it's hard to feed ourselves properly. Like 
Oh, yeah. Even when you've got, even when you have access, you know, like what even is properly? Because there's so many aspects of feeding yourself that are important and need to be honored. So there's the nutritional part, sure. But if I only eat what's quote unquote nutritionally best for me, I am bored to tears and I hate my life. It's like oh. not any fun, right? Do you think I'm excited to go? Like if I looked in my fridge right now, because when we're done this, I'll go have lunch. Do you think that my first instinct is like, oh yes, kale? No, no, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Right? I'm so glad there's kale in this drawer in the yeah. veggie compartment. No, exactly. So there's Not like my first thought. Right. And like, can you make kale into something that's super delicious? Say by adding Absolutely. it to like an amazing sausage soup that's in the Magnolia cookbook. Hells yeah. But now I'm like, <laughs> oh, but there's sausage in this. Oh, is it good? How much protein? How much fat? Little, 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 right? Like, are there nitrates in that sausage? Oh, whatever. So like, you know, I just, I, uh, yeah, I am at the point now where my, my guiding principle is how do I feel when I eat it? And Mm -hmm. feel is not just in my body. Feel also is like, Mm -hmm. do I feel joy when I eat this? Does the taste of it remind me of a good time? Blue blah, whenever it happens to be like every single time I make my, I make apple pie because I use my grandma's recipe. It reminds me of having apple pie at my grandma's house every single time. Right. And so how do I feel is way more of a rainbow experience than necessarily like you know, macros and whether or not I like mm-hmm. had great focus later. Right. Again, productivity, again, Scooby mask off. It was capitalism all <laughs> along. Right. It is okay to like have a really romantic moment in the afternoon, even with yourself where you've made yourself some like delicious tea and you put it in your favorite mug and you have like a cute cookie on the side and you like sliced up some strawberries and plated them on the thing. And like, Oh, it's like so nice. Right. It's a nice experience. It like feeds you on like mm-hmm. a aesthetic level, on an experiential level, on like a soul level. And you're like, oh, I did this nice thing for myself today. Awesome. Right. I think recognizing that food is really complex. Feeding ourselves is really complex. There's so many aspects that you have to consider in terms of, you know, all of the things we talked about. I mean, we even talked about skill. Like I love cooking. Someone on this podcast does not love cooking. Her name is Annika Buckle. It's me. (laughs) I really love cooking. I fucking hate it. (laughs) Right. But like, for me, it's like this joyful, creative thing. Plus, I really love eating really delicious food. I also like that. (laughs) Yeah. But like, for me, that hits on two points, Mm -hmm. right? So like, if I'm making something that's going to be exciting for me to make, like I made pancakes for dinner the other night. Cause I was like, you know what? We haven't had breakfast for dinner in a real long time. You know, this was after the night that I made like this delicious Korean bulgogi udon noodle, something, something. It was wonderful. Right. But that's because it is feeding me more than just what the nutrients are. It's the experience. And also, cause I like it. If I didn't like it, oh my gosh, our life would be different. And that's fine. <laughs> like, that's not a bad thing. It's just it is. It's, it is what it is. If I didn't have time, if I was a single mom working two jobs, mm-hmm. you know, that would be what's happening a lot. I mean, even yesterday I had to get home because I had to, whatever, I had to meet my husband at a certain time. I had, it was at an appointment. I had 15 minute drive. I stopped at Starbucks. I got myself like a latte and a sandwich to go. I ate in the car. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. processed food. And sometimes that's just life. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Yeah. So I think the real take home is like anything else. 
Um, if, if, you know, eating a certain way feels really good for you and you sort of touched on the intuitive component there a bit there, Lee, then, mm-hmm. then that's, that's great. If you are somebody who has the skill, the, um, income, the time mm-hmm. to avoid all highly processed foods. Like I honestly don't think you'd find a piece of literature out there that says that eating highly processed foods is actually good for you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. categorically not, It's just rather than demonizing it, I think the focus needs to be on accessibility of things that are, you know, whole air quotes, healthy or more whole foods. Um, but also not pretending that apples aren't processed because they categorically are (laughs) even by all of these various different definitions, they are processed. I'm curious to have a conversation with you two around this idea. And I know that this is something that I you know, in a previous life have talked about, but this idea that like the things that are added to our food, because nothing, you know, like we always say, nothing is neutral. Things are intentionally added to our food to make the experience more pleasurable and to Mm -hmm. make that experience addicting. So, Mm -hmm. you know, people who have their diet Coke every day at noon, Mm -hmm. because they can't imagine not having that diet Coke every day at noon, rather Mm -hmm. than, you know, maybe some of the other reasons you would choose to have a diet Coke at noon, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. You know, what is that, what is that, what does navigating that look like? Yeah. I I don't know. I think it's your life. If you want to have a diet Coke at noon and it brings you so much joy and pleasure and you look forward to it, I don't know, drink water the rest of the day and uh, whatever. I mean, I hear what you're saying, Annika, like there's, you know, there are entire food scientists for whom their whole job is to figure Mm -hmm. out how to make something be something you basically can't live without, even though it's not necessarily particularly good for you because it's really Mm -hmm. high in sodium or it's really high in bloody, 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 whatever, some sort of like thing that like categorically the research demonstrates salt, sugar, fat. Yeah. We shouldn't eat so much of it. Right. Um, and I do think that, you know, especially like, for example, in the Jamie Oliver era of like, you know, school lunches and pink slime and, you know, talking about how nobody knows how to cook and they don't, you know, kids don't like strawberries anymore because they, you know, whatever. Because it doesn't taste like a Pop-Tart. <laughs> right, exactly. Because it tastes, doesn't taste like a Pop-Tart. Exactly. There is, you know, there are organizations and in, in a whole industry of people who would really love for you to not do what any of the food guides have to say and live exclusively off mm-hmm. of, you know, toaster strudel and, you know, pizza pops and Potato lots chips of chips and, and yeah. pop and all this kind of stuff. Why? Because it's got the big hits of salt, sugar, fat, right? And it's convenient and it's packaged and you don't have to do anything beyond open it and eat it or heat it up and eat it. And so I think, I don't know. I think, I think in general, you know, my grandma used to keep pizza pockets in her freezer when I lived with her and those were a great snack. If I was living on them exclusively, it would be a bad idea, right? I think this is a little bit probably where the, you know, moderation and everything kind of needs to come into the conversation probably because, you know, is it going to be the end of the world if I had, if I had like pizza pockets and my kids ate like two a week? No, it would be totally fine. Especially like my 15 year old who's probably needs to eat 5,000 calories a day of God (laughs) even knows what he's eating and it doesn't even matter because it just goes right through and it's whatever. He's just growing so fast, right? Um, if that's all they were eating, it would probably be not good, you know? So should we be eating, you know, more fruits and vegetables raw and cooked? Yeah, we should. That's like what the research says. Should you drink more water? 
yeah, you should. And also if you really love Cheez-Its, is it going to be your downfall? <laughs> Probably not. Well, and I, I think that this is such an important nuance because, you know, while we seek to find the middle ground in like what is actually good for us, mind, body, and spirit, I think we also can find a space of being critical of capitalism. And I right. actually think I've been having, you know, there's been a lot of conversation around food prices and food affordability mm-hmm. in Canada yes. right now. Um, just last week, Loblaws, which is one of our kind of big three grocery giants here in Canada, announced that they're doing a price freeze on their no-name brand, which, I mean, I could do a whole episode on just that and the ridiculousness of the marketing and how fake all of that is. Mm-hmm. But I think it highlights that, you know, there is a often a tension between, you know, things that we choose because, like, I just really like Cheez-Its and things that we maybe don't choose because like, Oh, I just really need another bag of chips right now, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. that's created to make me want another bag of chips. What's that? Mm -hmm. The, you can't eat just one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What if I just want one? Well, I'm marketed to, to be told that one is not going to be enough. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And also like on like a taste level, like they say, they say that chips as an example are literally the most addictive food because it hits on so many of those like salty, fatty and crunchy, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like the mouthfeel, the experience, the fact that you're getting like satiated with like stuff that like, you know, biologically was hard to actually come, come by, you know, 10,000 years ago, like salt was really hard. Salt was like a real commodity. Um, you know, same with fats. Fats were not necessarily easy to come by because you usually had to get it from an animal, which meant you had to kill something, which means you had to catch it or hunt it or whatever. Right. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think it's really tricky. I think in general, if you have the capacity to endeavor to do, you know, kind of what the broad guidelines are, more whole grains, more fruits and vegetables, more water, cooking yourself, eating with people. Yeah. More lean proteins, whatever they happen to be, then great. When that doesn't happen all the time, this is where we need to not beat ourselves up. And that's also what we will have the eventual conversation on orthorexia. And the fact that like, it literally is becoming a pathological condition, this obsession with, you know, as healthy as it gets or the best thing to be eating or whatever. I mean, I can't imagine what someone who has full-blown orthorexia is doing with a conundrum of processed food and this like super greens powder that they just bought because it's supposed to be the very most healthy things for you. Well, and this, this is the big, this is the part that's so interesting is when you look at where the demonization of highly processed foods come from under the guise of processed foods, they're I don't really hear the term highly processed foods used that much within the wellness space. Yeah. But the demonization is largely coming from a group that will also sell you supplements that will also sell you on a meal plan. And I guarantee that meal plan, like, even if you look at the widely laughed at like Gwyneth Paltrow smoothie, and there's always (laughs) like, there's all these people right now, because mushrooms are so trendy. There's like these like powdered mushroom blends. Mm -hmm things. As soon as you hear the word superfoods, you know, that that is blended and mixed in some sort of formulation that comes in a bag as a powder or a capsule or something. So I do find the irony just so glaring when you have an industry that is so highly, um, prescriptive in terms of the right way to do something, then oxymorons itself. And it's like, don't eat those processed foods by my supplement. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's Eat just this, like, not that, right? I know mm-hmm. it's like, hold on a second. Mm-hmm. Confused. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking of eating, it's lunchtime. <laughs> I want and now I want a bag of chips. I think I'm going to have some ramen actually. That's yeah. really delicious. I love ramen. It's rainy and cold. So ramen oh, yeah. Go ramen or go home. <laughs> much for listening to meet me in the middle we really appreciate your support and if you could do us a big favor and subscribe and share this podcast it would mean the world to us